With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe-Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lock-away channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pamper Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. Welcome to Latina to Latina, a Bustle podcast. I'm your host, Alicia Menendez. I realized that that's when I had to fight because there were a lot of women before me that had to fight a lot harder. And I wasn't going to let somebody that talked about the way that I look affect my love of what I do. You've heard that voice. Yeah, you have. You've maybe even sung along with her. I have been obsessed with Mandy Gonzalez since I heard her on the original cast recording of Lin-Manuel Miranda's In the Heights, where she was my favorite character, Nina Rosario. Since then, she has been Alphabet and Wicked, released a solo album, and now she's starring as Angelica Schuyler in Hamilton. And no, she can't get you tickets. So, confession, I am a musical theater nerd. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, this is Retired. Good. This is good. This and, will make it for an easy conversation. <laughs> and I remember a turning point for me. I think I was in a production of Annie, and there was a mom of one of the other kids who was a um, costume designer on Rent. Oh. And she said, I was like, oh, no, I want to grow up, and I want to do musical theater. Yeah. And she was like, okay. She was like, if you can do anything else, if you can imagine yourself doing anything else. You're like six. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, oh, but I have dreams. (laughs) She's like, listen, kid. You got bills. (laughs) Um, And she was like, if you could imagine doing anything else, then you should do that. And I actually thought as harsh as that might have been for like, (laughs) I was probably nine or 10. Yeah. There is a truth to it. Yeah. I think it's a hard life and it's a small community. And I don't realize it all the time because I've been doing it on Broadway for 17 years, which is amazing you know and I but I don't think about it on the daily like always how fortunate I am because the eight shows a week and you get tired and all this stuff but then when you do sit down and think about it you're like oh I was amazing I was chosen and uh and that's an incredible thing but I think when I go and teach kids like in master class and they say you know my parents are worried um that I want a life in the arts uh, and I'm not going to make any money (laughs) (laughs) And I always think, 
you just never know. There's so many things that you can do in the arts that, that kids don't know about, like create a podcast or, you know, make a YouTube channel that is uniquely you, you know, um, or because I think a life and training in the arts will serve you in anything that you do. Like your theater training, I think, makes you just a better better at what you do. And so, and seeing all these kids in Florida right now uh, speaking out, um, most of them are theater kids. About gun violence. Yes, and I think um, I, I wasn't surprised because kids that are in theater, they know how to stand up in front of an audience and they know how to express their feelings. And so I think training in the arts will serve you in whatever you do, you know? And so when was the moment for you where you were like, this is the thing I have to do? Let's see, pretty much since childhood, <laughs> because I'm the youngest of three and both my parents worked. My mom worked uh, full time as well as my father. My father worked like three jobs. And it was my way to get attention was the fact that I had this talent and I could sing. And because uh, otherwise it was like, Mandy, you know, like, you know, wait, wait your turn or, you know, you know, I was that kid that was like, wait for me. Like, don't forget me. And if you if you meet me, I'm I'm the first to be like, what are you guys doing? Like, what's happening? Like, I still have those like that thing inside of me that's like. Don't leave me out. And so I discovered um, this talent that I had and this love that I had for singing at a young age and that people would give me things to, like, do it. You know, like up the street, um, people would ask me to come and sing for their Christmas party and they would give me, like, a gift afterwards. And I'd be like, this is great. And my sister had... Um, really bad stage fright and she got piano lessons and so um for her recitals you know she didn't want to do them and so my grandma said well we'll just have mandy sing to whatever song you're playing and so my sister felt more comfortable doing the recital and i thought that was great and i got like the top hat with like sequence and my art became that and then um i kept performing and it really wasn't until I went to this camp when I was in uh, high school, and I had a singing teacher that was teaching at this camp called Broadway Theater Project, and Gregory Hines taught there, and Ann Rankin, and I got a full scholarship to go, and it wasn't until I went there because all of a sudden I was no longer the best. I was average. There were all these kids that could do exactly what I did, and were just as good and they could also dance like I you know I took the lessons but I never excelled you weren't a triple threat <laughs> I wasn't a triple threat um I never got the splits like my <laughs> my double turns like especially now my double turns like horrible but I just never had that love of dance and so then I went to this camp where like everybody was good and all of a sudden this competitiveness and this ambition became well I'm going to do this. I want to be just as good and I, I have to get better. And so after that camp, I went back and I decided at that time that that's what I want to do with my life. And really, so when I was about 15, that's when I was like, this is what I want to do All through right. my competition. And, you know, that's also part of being like the youngest kid. You're also like can be super competitive. <laughs> were your parents supportive? Very. But they were like, what is this? I don't understand. You know, my father was in a band when he was younger. It's kind of a long story. My dad was drafted to Vietnam. He met my mom as a pen pal during the war in Vietnam. She was a Jewish girl from the valley. And uh, they fell in love through letters. And when he came back, he showed up on her doorstep. And they were from two different worlds. And um, my mom's family wasn't that happy with her marrying somebody outside of the culture, as well as my father's family. And so my mom 
decided that she was going to go with her heart and she just kind of took off. But through their love, they brought peace to the family. And I never knew any of that, you know, growing up. I just thought everybody loved us and all that kind of stuff. But they really sacrificed a lot for us. So they were supportive. Even now, they come to Broadway and my dad, he has a hard time sitting down at the theater. So he sometimes paces in the back. Um, But I think they're just kind of like, whoa, like who is this? (laughs) You know, but proud, very proud. How did you get there? Um, a lot of hard work and a lot of fearlessness because when I moved to New York, I wasn't really ready. Um, I was that kid that didn't want to leave home. So I went to school in town. I went to CalArts. And it's one of those things when um, you think that you shouldn't be doing something and then opportunity happens and it's where you should be. And so Bette Midler was looking for new harlots while I was in school and so I went and I auditioned and I got the job and I went on tour with Bette Midler at 19 for six months. We went all around the United States and Canada and then we stopped in New York City for two weeks and I came back and I saved my money from that tour and I moved to New York and I just kind of hit the pavement. I didn't have anything. I Everybody was like, what are you doing? Why would you go this far? And I, I was the one that kind of went the furthest from my family. But after six months of hitting the pavement, I got my first job off-Broadway in a show called Eli's Coming. And I ended up winning an Obie Award, which is an off-Broadway excellence award. And it kind of started my career. Um, Stuart Oaken, who was with that Disney at the time, came and saw me in that show and hired me for Aida. And I became a Dina Menzel standby. And it was like this lightning that was just kind of pushing me along. And then... um, I auditioned for a show called Dance of the Vampires, and I got it. It was a show that got, like, the worst possible, like, reviews ever. But it taught me so much going through that process. Because up until that point, it was like I was just on this journey. And when you get something like that, you're like, oh, it stops you. And it it makes you go, oh, am I going to fight through this and keep going? Is my Am I going to go through this with my path? Or... Should I go this way? Some people never did a show again after that show. And I decided that that's when I was going to build my own fearless squad for myself. I stopped by um, Union Square because I wanted to see maybe there's one paper that said something nice about me. Nobody had, like, bashed me or anything at that point. And I looked in New York Magazine, and it said, Mandy Gonzalez lacks in acting, singing, and looks. And it devastated me. You know, I was 23, and it devastated me in a way that I didn't realize that I I needed to be devastated because I had to come to terms with the fact that it said something that I kind of always felt about myself, being somebody who comes from two different cultures and never really feeling like you fit in. All of a sudden, this person was saying this thing that, oh, I was never that You're an beauty. imposter. Yes, like I was always this person that was trying to fit in. And so in that moment of seeing that review and being devastated, you know, going home to my husband and him being like, you got to toughen up. And, you know, I realized that that's when I had to, I had to fight because there were a lot of women before me that had to fight a lot harder. And I wasn't going to let somebody that talked about the way that I look affect my love of what I do. And so I thought that this was my way to propel myself forward and to take the blows and fight and take the other people behind me that were going to be fighting 
as well and to open the door for them, to open the door for people that are look different or have Gonzalez as the last name but don't really fit in any box. I was going to create my own box. Well, and when you talk about the two cultures, so your, yeah. your dad is Mexican-American. Mm-hmm. Was your dad born here? Uh, yes, my dad was born in Texas, but Me- some of his siblings were born in Mexico. And then your mom is Jewish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much of that <laughs> is who you are? All of it. All of it, because I think the beautiful thing about being mixed is that you have to learn from a very young age how to uh, stand up for yourself. Because I think everybody wants to put you in a box. You know, well, you're different. Your last name's Gonzalez, but you're here at Temple. And, oh, you don't look Jewish. And really having to learn and educate people about both cultures and having to know both stories, you know, of where my ancestors come from. Well, it's, it's interesting when I think about some of the roles that you're most known for. They're mm-hmm. all insider-outsider, right? Yes, like with definitely. Ni- with Nina, there's a privilege differential. She's she's a girl mm-hmm. from, from Washington Heights who ends up at Stanford, and right. that becomes a big part of her identity and the show's identity. With Alphaba, obviously, there's this talent that she has and right. this way that other people perceive her that is very different than how she perceives herself. Yeah. And then with Angelica, I mean, to be a smart ambitious woman at a time when women did not have uh, a voice. Yeah. I mean, that, I feel like that is one thread that moves through all of those characters. Definitely. And I think that um, I've been lucky to work with Tommy Kale on both In the Heights and uh, Hamilton. And I think Tommy, when he casts a show, he casts for ability, but he also casts for the humanity. And he sees those traits within that person because it just makes it easier to live in those people for that long. And with Nina Rosario, I was Nina. You know, Girl, me too. You know? The idea of her just climbing onto that fire escape yeah. and just wanting so much for herself and looking around and not really having people around her who had those same opportunities, right? Right, but also feeling that pressure of doing it for everybody. Yeah doing it for your parents, your grandparents, having that on you and, you know, feeling that weight, but also feeling that that pride. Mm-hmm. And so I think for Nina, I just I I was her. It's so funny for those of us who fall in love with a soundtrack mm-hmm. because I feel like I know you Aww. because I've listened to that soundtrack right. so many times. Mm-hmm. And there is, I think, when you originate a role, it's hard as a viewer to separate out who's Nina and who's Mandy. Definitely. So in my mind, you basically are Nina. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because this crazy experience happened to me. I was doing something for Women's Month at the Broadway League, I exited the elevator. And as I'm walking forward, all of a sudden, Leia Salonga is right there in front of me. And when I was about four, maybe 14 or 15, I first heard Miss Saigon. And it was one of those soundtracks that I cried with. And I was like, I just love this so much. And I would listen to it all the time. So when I saw her, she like put out her hand to shake my hand. And I was like, Leia, it's so great to see you. And I like gave her a hug. And then I was like, 
ah, this is not right. Like, I shouldn't have done that. Like, I'm such, like, a theater geek. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh. And so then um, she was like, I just saw you in Hamilton. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. And all of a sudden, I'm at the same level, but not. And so I know what that feels like because I grew up loving soundtracks. You know, when I first met Priscilla Lopez and she played my mom and In the Heights, I was like... They don't have bobsleds in San Juan. Exactly. Like, I was like, I know your whole story, you know? Like, I can sing, I sang nothing when I was like eight years old, you know, because it was the one song. The only song. The the only song for Latinas. That's like all you get. Oh, yeah. And I did West Side Story in high school. How many times can I play Anita, people? I know, I know. But when I met Cheetah Rivera, it was like, and all of us at In the Heights, we grew up with everybody. So let me ask you, being Mm Mexican-American from California, Mm -hmm. what was it like to embody a Puerto Rican from New York? Well, it's interesting because I always thought, because when you are in uh, California, the people I was was around were Mexican. So it wasn't until I moved to New York that I really had the Puerto Rican experience. And that happened when I got a job. Um, my first job was at Dean and DeLuca. I got a job there because of the show Felicity. I thought, if Felicity can work here, like, this is where I should be working. Like, I, I was so psyched to get that job. And then they put me in the basement to put, like, really fancy like baskets together but while I was doing this the people that I worked with were Puerto Rican and so they were like oh you're Latina like where are you from and I'm like oh well you know I'm Mexican-American and they're like well we're Puerto Rican and let's let me teach you about my culture and so that was that experience that I'm so grateful for is um the New York experience When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads, what did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blow-up barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blow-ups. Pamper Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size 8. And now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important. And it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th. At 6.30 p.m., we're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? (laughs) They do look cute, though. Bringing cheer, M&M's for all fun kind. And then Hamilton. Hamilton. What is it like 
to walk into a role that someone else has originated? Well, I think there's a couple things because I did that with Wicked. But um, Hamilton, it was really a homecoming because I'm at the same theater that I was at in the Heights. I'm with the same creative team. And I saw Hamilton at the public. And when I saw it, I was like, I want to be a part of this. Like, how do I be a part of this? You guys, like, wait oh, for me. It's like, like Baby Mandy. Yeah, Baby Mandy. But I was busy. Like, I had a kid and all that kind of stuff. But I was like, come on, you guys. Like, you know, these are like my brothers. Put me in. Put me in, coach. And, uh, and when I got the call from Tommy that was like, Renee's leaving and uh, would you like to come in? There was nothing but love you know I had so much admiration for Renee and love for her performance and what she created and when you create a role it's yours forever but how then do you make sure that you are performing Angelica and not performing Renee performing Angelica I don't think you can you know if you're an actor and you're an artist there's no way but the role will always be Renee's you know like she put her stamp on that and she went through the readings and it's all those things that I went through within the heights like Nina will always be mine and it's just what it is she will always be a part of that whenever anybody sings that song because she helped figure it out and so I in an homage to her I tip my hat and then I realize that I have to bring myself to the role and I have to figure out what I connect with. And that's the beautiful thing about Tommy is that he wants you to bring your humanity to to Angelica. And I think that I knew at this point what that was to be a woman of ambition, to be a woman that also had a family, had duties, and uh, to be selfish and selfless at the same time. Uh, I don't think I would have known how to do that before I became a mother. But it's just at that right time, right place, right time. And I was so ready for, for this role because I'm, I'm somebody that uh, looks for uh, the greater good, looks to uh, make my voice heard when it's needed, and knows when to step back and listen. But I didn't know that at 23 when I was just, you know, starting in this business. But I know that now. So what is it that you think you bring to it? I bring a sense of vulnerability to Angelica and um, my wisdom to this role. So I think that you get to go through the whole arc with me of what it's like to be a young girl of uh, 16, 17 when she meets Hamilton to an older woman who is on the rafters looking down on Eliza and on her sister. Because I think that, uh, you know, as women, we have so many, um, so many roles that we play. And I think to be able to do it all in one show is is kind of incredible. But I think that the way it's written, you have to. And you have to play the homage to Angelica because she was... Women are written about in history books, certain women. There are certain women that are, but during that time, it's all men that created the history. But I think that the fact that Angelica wrote the letters to Hamilton, and those letters are what Ron Chernow found and put in his book, she wanted to have a voice. You know, there's a beautiful painting of Angelica where she is looking behind her nanny or whatever is holding her child and she's reaching for her child but at the same time she's looking at whoever is painting her. So I think that that says a lot and that was informed me a lot about who she was because she's somebody who has a love of her family but also an ambition to have her voice be heard. So I think that the fact that she did write letters and that we all can hear I think is... uh, 
it's a blessing, you know? What is it like being on that stage every night? Oh, it's magic. Before the show starts, people are cheering. Like, that never happens. <laughs> Honestly, I've never been in a show where the lights go out and people scream. Like, dun, from dun, 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 dun. the beginning. <laughs> and you just feel like, oh, I'm part of something bigger than myself because of the relevance of this show. Right now, yesterday, tomorrow, this show will always be relevant, not just because of the history that it tells, but because of the history that we're building right now as as a country. And so I think people come um, for inspiration. I think they come for healing some nights. It definitely is a healing experience for myself uh, because it gives me hope when I feel like there's not a lot of hope. Um, so I think that um, does that for a lot of different people. To be part of something like that is once in a lifetime. You've described it as a, a train that leaves the station yeah. and you need to grab on. <laughs> yeah, that's like Lynn. Have, uh, yeah, as a person. As a person, yeah. Since I met Lynn, he's like a light and you have to follow it or he's gone. But that's the beautiful thing about Hamilton is that it's brought this light to the world. You know, it's brought him to so many people's living rooms and because he deserves to be there and he deserves it because he will better your life, your experience because of his heart. What was the experience then like of putting out your solo album and and getting to actually just be Mandy Gonzalez? It was thrilling because uh, I've always wanted to make an album ever since I was a kid. All the albums that I listened to, I wanted to be one of those voices that other people listen to and, and listen to for hope and just... Um, to fill their fill their day with joy. It was thrilling because uh, I do a lot of concerts as well as Hamilton. So my night off, I, I go and I play different clubs in New York. And the beautiful thing about concerts is that you get to tell your story. And so um, when I became a mom, you know, all of a sudden you're in a different, you're in a different category. You're in a different box where people are like, oh, you can't do that because you're a mom or blah, 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 blah. What can't you do? I remember going to an audition and somebody would be like, how old's your kid now? I'm like, oh, she's three months. Oh, okay. And so all of a sudden you see this uh, thought process that happens like, oh, your kid's three months, which means that you're going to have a hard time getting childcare and all those kind of things that maybe not, but that's what it feels like when somebody asks you like how old your kid is as you're auditioning for a job. And so it was really powerful. Um, it's the same thing when somebody says no, you have to figure out how to fight. And I had to create, I had to start creating things for myself, you know, because I couldn't get a job. And so I created concerts and I realized that I really loved it because um, I loved creating narratives through songs. And so I created a whole concert life for myself where I did concerts in all different places all around the world and played with incredible symphonies. And, and then Hamilton called and I... I came back um, to Broadway, but do you do you have days where you're like this could just all be over? Of course, every day, <laughs> every day, because there's no job after this one. As an artist, you live day to day, but there's something really I think beautiful about that because you're in charge of your own destiny, and it's really up to you how far it's going to go. If you want to stop, you can stop, but if you want to keep going, create your platform. Stop waiting for other people to do it. And really, it wasn't until I got older that I realized that, that I can use my creative mind 
to make opportunities for myself because the only person that's really going to say no is you you know and for me that would be something that I would be sad about once I stop creating things and using my imagination to make opportunity for myself That's it for now, but we want to hear from you. Email us at latina to latina at bustle.com. Send us ideas for awesome guests or whatever it is you're thinking about right now. Remember to subscribe to Latina to Latina on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. And please leave a review. We love hearing from you. Latina to Latina is produced by Lentigua Williams and Co., mixed by Oluwakemi Aladesui with assistance from Anna Parsons. Our executive editor is Emily Ann Epstein. Our editorial supervisor is Roseanne Salvatore. And we got to give a special thank you to Jenny Hollander. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.